live from wherever you happen to be, it's the SNL Hall of Fame Podcast. And now, here's your host, curator of the hall, Jamie Dew. We're coming in for a landing. Oh, it's soft. It's a soft, beautiful landing. Pillow-esque, you might say. Hey, I'm Jamie. Welcome back to the SNL Hall of Fame, where each week I sit down with a guest and they add a Saturday Night Live cast member, host, musical guest, or writer to the ballot of the SNL Hall of Fame and then voting will open on April 25th, and we will find out who gets enshrined into the SNL Hall of Fame. So there's that. Before I invite you in, uh, as always, would you please wipe your feet? This is very hallowed ground, and, uh, you know, it's sort of muddy outside. <laughs> I'm looking out my window right now, and it is. It's... Uh, it's a Canadian March day, which means it's sort of muddy and slushy on the ground. Um, people are out wearing shorts because it's, you know, above zero. And if you survive January and February in, you know, the Canadian winter, then, you know, March is where all bets are off. A, a day that's five degrees you're going to celebrate that and maybe even visit a patio. <laughs> so there's that. Hey, this week I shuffled things up a little bit. We were normally scheduled to hear from, uh, well, I don't want to get into who we've shuffled it up because I don't want to give away who we're going to add to the ballot next week. But these two weeks have been shuffled, and rather than a writer this week, we're going to add a cast member. And the reason I decided to make this alteration to the schedule is because of my guest. And my guest today is Mike Wilner. You can find him on Twitter, at Wilnerness. Uh, you can also find his work in the Toronto Star, or the, the star.ca, uh, on your web browsing apparatus. And... He is a baseball columnist, and he used to be a the voice of the Blue Jays. For me, growing up, uh, Bob McCowan, a legend in this in this town, used to do a show called Jays Talk after every Jays game. Sometime in my early twenties, Mike took that over and basically ran with it for the next, you know, I bet you twenty years. And uh, he also was on the games with, uh, you know, the play-by-play the -play and the color announcer. And, and he often called innings. And then the last couple of years, he actually was the, you know, uh, like full-time radio play-by-play -play announcer for the Toronto Blue Jays. So with baseball coming back and baseball being a huge, um, a huge, uh, impression has, has left a huge impression on this podcast in terms of the rules and regulations of the hall of fame 
uh, we borrow quite heavily from the Baseball Hall of Fame. So I'm a baseball guy. I like baseball. And I thought it would be great to play the interview that I did with Mike where he nominated cast member Eddie Murphy to the SNL ballot. And, uh, you know, this guy is a virtuoso. I'm talking about Eddie Murphy. Mike Wilner is great as well, but he's he's, he's not a a 19-year-old virtuoso. And, uh, yeah, that's what we're going to get to here today. And uh, I'm looking forward to playing it for you. So let's get right to that interview and play ball. This is Mike Wilner with Eddie Murphy being added to the SNL Hall of Fame ballot. When I listen to my next guest speak, I am whisked to the Sky Dome with an ice-cold beer in my hand. It's because I immediately think of the Toronto Blue Jays. As a columnist podcaster for the Toronto Star, Mike Wilner is no stranger to the machinations of the Baseball Hall of Fame. But today, he joins me to talk Saturday Night Live and to nominate Eddie Murphy onto the SNL Hall of Fame ballot. Mike? It's great to have you here. Uh, it's uh, it's great to be here. This is a very cool idea that you have, and I'm I'm thrilled to uh, to participate. Well, I'm thrilled to have you. So that makes uh, two of us that are thrilled. So um, before we get into your nominee, I think that it might be important to take a trip down memory lane and learn a little bit about your experience with the show. Talk to me, Mike, about your your um, journey with Saturday Night Live? Nothing more than just a viewer. But, um, you know, when I, when I was a teenager, um, I was staying up late enough to watch. It's funny because I didn't really watch much of it live in the Eddie Murphy era. I, I remember when Lorne Michaels came back and the new cast came on, you know, with, uh, with Billy Crystal and Christopher Guest and, um, and that, that Martin Short, that all-star year, that I think I probably started watching the year before when there was still um, that was like actually Louis, Louis Dreyfus and Mary that was Gordon. actually Dick Ebersole as well. The, was it uh, the uh, the All Star year? That was his that was his attempt at like going uh, George Steinbrenner, if you will. On right, the, right. And then Lorne came back afterwards, and he pulled John Lovitz out of the fire a couple of years later. That's right. Yes, when he fired the Anthony Michael Hall, Robert Downey Jr. cast. Right. Exactly. That was his yeah. version. Okay. Back. So I remember the All-Star year, and I remember the Tim Kazarinski and Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Brad Hall years where Eddie was there. Um, but other than that, it's just been someone who's been a fan of the show. And, and uh, I, I did go once to see it, which was fantastic in 1995. And uh, yeah, but other than, you know, I, I have no special connection other than someone who's a, a big fan of comedy and pop culture. And, and uh, Saturday Night Live is a big part of that. Yeah, it's funny. Most of the people that we have on, that is, the, you know, that is the special connection that it that it was a show they watched in their teenage years, and it just was so important. 
Uh, it was, yeah. you know, it, it informed their sense of humor to a certain degree. It was water cooler talk on Monday morning at school. And I'm, I'm certain that, you know, Eddie Murphy's name must have come up a few times in some of those conversations when you, when you think about, um, you know, those years that he was on. He was a force of nature. Absolutely. Right. I, I, I mean, even down to the opening credits, when you hear Don Pardo go through the cast list at the beginning, when he mentioned Eddie Murphy, there was an audible increase in the amount of applause. Like, like the you could notice there was a thunderous roar from the crowd. And these were talented casts. I mean, everybody the 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 parallel between baseball to me and and Saturday Night Live is everybody who's ever stood on that stage is doing something extraordinary. And, you know, I'm envious of them and I look up to them all, but there are certain people that just transcend that and they're the all-stars. And then there are people that transcend those and they're the hall of famers and Eddie Murphy. There is something very, very special about him. He was 19 years old when he started on the show for heaven's sake. Yeah. I mean, clearly there was something very special about him. The fact that he was, was 19 was unbelievably impressive that he had this well-rounded worldly sense of humor um and uh his ability as a mimic was incredible but everything it feels like and obviously i'm sure he had a dud or two but everything he did was hilarious these characters that he created were incredible and and long-lasting and he was funny as hell and (laughs) and he really i mean he you're right that everyone there um, everyone who's ever been on that stage is really good, but he was a member of some of the weakest casts in the history of the show. And, um, and he shone and, and I, I don't think it was because of, um, the fact that he was surrounded by to, uh, to use the baseball comparison, a lot of quadruple A players, right? Um, but but he was he was that good. He would have been a star in any era in that show. And uh, yeah, I, I I totally get why the audience reacted to the introduction the way it did. He was the Beatles of of that cast. Wow, <laughs> the Beatles. This is going to make the next question seem really stupid, but I have to ask it. And that's if you could take me through your process of selecting. Eddie Murphy as your nominee. Um, I mean, for me, it's uh, the, it's as slam dunk as it gets. I mean, I don't believe that there even is Saturday Night Live right now without Eddie Murphy. So if if you're putting a, a Hall of Fame together, um, just the very you know we're not putting together a Hall of Fame for a show that lasted five and a half seasons, even though those, those first four or five were pretty incredible. Um, Saturday Night Live doesn't survive beyond 1981 or two if uh, if Eddie Murphy's not added, and you know that reason alone, I think, gets him in. But also the you know just the the body of work, the stuff he did, um, you know, Mister Robinson's Neighborhood, <laughs> and Gumby, yeah. and James Brown, and the the Jailhouse Poet, and um, the, the Stevie Wonder stuff, um. And that's just off the top of my head, having not watched it for uh, his stuff, obviously for decades. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm not sure there's 
there's a more slam dunk candidate for this Hall of Fame than than Eddie Murphy. Wow. A first ballot Hall of Famer, if you will. Unanimous first ballot Hall of Famer. I mean, for heaven's sake, he had a character that was so popular, they killed Buckwheat off. (laughs) (laughs) They did a whole episode, essentially. That was... That was their sort of reaction to the way the the Reagan assassination attempt was covered, and the fact that uh, everybody showed the Reagan getting shot at every angle a million times over, and every guest they brought on, hey, have you seen it yet? Let's show you. Um, <laughs> and and Piscopo did a terrific job doing Ted Koppel uh, over the course of that, and then we found find out later that Buckwheat faked his death and. and and uh, that's a character that I didn't even bring up. And I'm not sure that that character would um, would stand up these days in our current culture. Um, but it was a wonderful parody of the character from the Little Rascals show. But yeah, that that uh, Buckwheat's shot episode, I, I remember that one very, very well. Right. Okay, switching gears here for a second, I want to talk about the beginning. And I want to talk about the fact that Eddie started as a featured player. Now, today, that is the norm. You start as a featured player, or sometimes as a writer, and then after a couple of years, you're, you know, you're potentially um, able to join the repertory players. But in 1980, Gene Domanian was building, you know, a repertory cast out of whole cloth. And could have easily inserted Eddie Murphy into that into that category had she chosen to. Instead, Eddie was brought on as a feature player. Somebody this good, you know, was getting his service time manipulated, if you will. And I, I don't quite understand what it was that they were thinking. You know, I think it, there are two two explanations for it. The first one is that he was 19. Um, and and the second one probably is that uh, he was African-American. Um, and they they wanted to make him have to earn his way in, even though, as I mean, there have been some good featured players. Um, and and I, I sort of understand, hey, let's see what this guy has, but how could you not see what this guy has? Right. Right. Um, and, and maybe that's why he couldn't save Gene Tomanian. Cause what kind of talent scout can you be if you don't see what you have in Eddie Murphy, the second you see Eddie Murphy get on the stage. <laughs> Good point. And the way I understand it is he almost wasn't selected. There were other uh, comedians that they had ahead of him initially. And it was uh, Neil Levy that ended up, you know, saving, saving him by getting him in for another audition. And, you know, the rest is history. And it it comes down to, again, right. They, there was already an African American cast member and it, it, you know, it's amazing that even today, like this was, this was over 40 years ago. Right. But even today uh, you look at, look at Brooklyn nine, nine, um, which is a wonderful show with two Hispanic female cast members. And when you hear both of them talk, Melissa Fumero and Stephanie Beatriz, they talked about when they auditioned, 
they talked ahead of time. One of them was going to have straight hair. One of them was going to have curly hair just to not give anybody another reason to say, oh, we already have one because that's, that's how casting people still think these days. And it's insane to me that, uh, you know, you can only have one diverse person. You can only have one Latin, uh, character. You can only have one black character. It's, it's crazy, but it was a, a million times worse uh, in 1980. And so, you know, that, that was how the business was and it's ridiculous and it's stupid and it almost cost them their show. Wow. When you put it that way, right? I mean, no Eddie Murphy, your thesis here is no Eddie Murphy, no SNL. And, um, yeah, that's fascinating. <sighs> well, switching gears again from his time, you know, performing on the stage as a cast member, to taking a look at his his hosting credentials. I mean, the only reason I am going to allow hosting credentials really to be discussed in this case is because this is a guy that hosted the show while he was a cast member. Which is reason enough, by the way, to put him in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> right? They had a host <laughs> cancel or something, and they decided right. that Eddie was such a big star that he would host while he was a cast member. It's bonkers. It's absolutely bonkers. He hosted with uh, uh, Lionel Rich, who was the musical guest, and it was in um, 1982. So that was, you know, just bananas that he did that and uh, a lot of fun. But he also hosted the year after he left. And, and he I came remember back. the monologue from that. I remember uh, he talked about. Um, when he came on that, that they asked him once he left the cast, if he would come back and host after 48 hours came out and he said, you know, forget it. I'm a big star. 48 hours, is a huge hit movie. I don't need you. Uh, and then the next movie he made was called best defense. And it was a movie with Dudley Moore and it sucked. And Eddie <laughs> talked about how much it sucked. And so he, he said to them, yeah, I'll, I'll come back and host. And then in the interim, Beverly Hills Cop came out and was a huge smash. So, um, yeah, I, I, that was, what, 84, maybe 85. Yeah. It is crazy yeah. that I remember it that well. Uh, 37 years later, I remember him coming out on the stage and, and talking about Best Defense, and he said, and that was a movie that sucked. That's right. But he got paid. He said, if, if you got paid That's when right. I got paid, you would have done it too. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> uh, the other the other really memorable moment from that is obviously they they brought buckwheat back but um the white like me sketch i don't know if you remember that one of course yeah just fantastic what a great idea and yeah they did it as a pre-tape uh just delivered on all cylinders what a great great idea you know a lot of people talk about racial prejudice and some people have gone so far as to say that there are actually two Americas, one black and one white. But talk is cheap. So I decided to look into the problem myself, firsthand, to go underground and actually experience America as a white man. I hired the best makeup people in the business. If I was gonna pass as a white man, Everything had to be perfect. Mm, I think that's a little light. Okay, let's try this. Let's, uh, 
That look kind of Harry Reams-ish. Mm, I like it. I study for my role very carefully. I watch lots of Dynasty. See? See how they walk? Their butts are real tight when they walk. They gotta keep their butts tight. I gotta remember to keep my, my butt real tight when I walk. And I read a whole bunch of Hallmark cards. You always mean lots more to me than you could ever guess, for you have done so much to fill my life with happiness. Finally, I was ready. What are you doing? I'm buying this newspaper. That's all right. There's nobody around. Go ahead, take it. Take it. Go ahead, take it. Yeah, take it. Slowly, I began to realize that when white people are alone, they give things to each other for free. <laughs> there was only one other black man on the bus. He got off on 45th Street. much more serious than I'd ever imagined. Now, let me get this straight, Mr. Uh, Mr. White. You'd like to borrow $50,000 from our bank, but you have no collateral. You have no credit. You don't even have any ID. Is that correct? That's right. <laughs> Mr. White, I'm sorry. This is not a charity. This is a business. Uh, and Harry, why don't you uh, take your break now? I'll take care of... Uh, Mr. White. Oh. Okay. Thanks, Bob. <laughs> that was a close foot one. <laughs> we don't have to bother with these formalities, do we, Mr. White? Huh? <laughs> what a silly Negro. <laughs> Just take what you want, Mr. White. Pay us back any time. Or don't. We don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, 
Do you know of any other banks like this in this area? <laughs> so what did I learn from all of this? Well, I learned that we still have a very long way to go in this country before all men are truly equal. But I'll tell you something. I got a lot of friends, and we've got a lot of makeup. <laughs> so the next time you're hugging up with some really super groovy white guy, or you met a really great, super keen white chick, don't be too sure. They might be black. It was definitely very on point for its time and, and a phenomenal satire and a, a, really, a really good sketch for sure. Let's talk about Eddie's highly anticipated return to 8H in December of 2019. Mike, I thought it really delivered the goods. What did you think? And I remember watching the monologue and I remember thinking how cool it was that he's back. And, and that he, he made that appearance on the show after the years and years and years and years of being away. I think he came to the 40th um, and, and people weren't sure that he was going to and, and weren't necessarily expecting him to. Um, and he didn't do much. I remember being disappointed by him on the 40th, um, but really happy that, that when he came back to host he brought back, um, he brought back Mr. Robinson. I remember that. Um, and, and he did, you know, I, I was worried that he wasn't going to, that he was, you know, one of those, that stuff's in the past. I don't do that anymore. Um, but I, I remember enjoying that a lot. When you think of wandering into the SNL Hall of Fame and you see Eddie's plaque on the wall and there's a video monitor beneath it playing a sketch, what is the sketch that plays that, you know, is the definitive Eddie wow. sketch? That is, I mean, there, there, there could be so many. Right? Um, James Brown Celebrity Hot Tub certainly stands out as one that could be there. Sure does. Um, Tyrone Green, Images by Tyrone Green. Um, could be, could be up there. I don't remember a whole bunch of the Gumby stuff, uh, other than the, the tagline, I'm Gumby, damn it. Um, <laughs> so I, I don't know if I would include that. There's, you know, Mr. Robinson. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's, I, I do, I guess we settle for a montage. <laughs> I, 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 I guess that's the uh, best we can do here. There's just too many what else can you say about eddie murphy uh, in building a case for his nomination i mean i really think it just honestly goes back to the first thing i said without him there's no show um and, and it's not to disparage anyone before or since saturday night live was an incredible thing in the when from when it started in 1975 but then the original cast all left lorne michaels left after five years and Eddie Murphy joined a cast that, um, you know, it had Gilbert Gottfried on it, uh, which, which is really cool when you look back, um, you know, but it also had Charles Rocket, and Denny Dillon and Christine Ebersol and Anne Risley and right. Gail Mathias. And, and, uh, this was a show that had Eddie Murphy not joined. I really honestly believe it's, it, it would have been canceled within a year or two would have been done. Um, it wasn't very good. It wasn't, it, it, 
wasn't nearly as good as the not ready for primetime players, the um, you know the original cast. And with without Eddie, it's it's over. It really is. And uh, I remember seeing just recently. I don't remember why I saw it recently, but um, the episode that Bill Murray hosted. Uh, I right. think it was that year, 80-81, maybe 81-82, where they were talking about um, all the headlines, Saturday Night Live, or Saturday Night Dead and all that stuff, which has since uh, been regurgitated many times. But it was legit back then. And, and I think for more than, uh, more than anyone else in the history of the show, Eddie Murphy saved Saturday Night Live, and it's it's not a continuous thing without him. Well, that's pretty definitive, Mike. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, I don't know what else to add on to to that, really. Yeah, anybody who doesn't vote for Eddie Murphy in the Saturday Night Live Hall of Fame should have their voting privileges revoked immediately. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, I, I got to tell you, Mike, it's been a blast sitting with you today talking about Eddie Murphy and why he should be in the SNL Hall of Fame. He has officially now been nominated to the ballot, and we'll see how this all plays out. If people are looking for more information on you, where should they turn, Mr. Wilner? Well, thank you for the promotion opportunity. Um, I have a podcast. It's called Deep Left Field. Um, it is. It comes out every Thursday, and we talk about uh, all the wonderful Blue Jay and baseball things with fabulous guests and, and uh, great stories. And you can also read me in the Toronto Star, at thestar.com, and your app, all that stuff, wherever, wherever you get your newspaper. So please um, subscribe to the podcast and subscribe to the paper. And, uh, and that way we can, uh, you can read and listen to some pretty... Terrific Blue Jays coverage, continuing uh, what I hope was the standard that I set uh, after 25 years on the radio. Um, yeah, so so follow me around and and <laughs> read and, and listen to my stuff. And thank you for this. This is a uh, this is a really cool idea that you've got, and uh, and I'm uh, very happy to be a part of it. <laughs> That's it for another week of the SNL Hall of Fame podcast. My goodness gracious. If Eddie Murphy isn't a slam dunk, I don't know who is. I really don't know who is. Now, it's going to come down to voting, obviously. April 25th, voting will open, and we're getting close to April 25th at this point, folks. So there will be 30 names on the ballot at that point, and you'll have 10 votes. Up to 10 votes. You can you can only use five of them if you want. It's your choice. Uh, you can use as many as you want up to 10. And uh, if a Hall of Fame balloteer hits 66%, 0.6% of the, of the votes received on all the ballots, well, then they will be in the Hall of Fame. Really want to thank Mike for joining me today. Uh, that was fantastic. And uh, if you want to find out more of his stuff, again, visit thestar.ca or Wilnerness. But that's all I've got for you this week. But if you would, could you do me a favor? And on your way past, turn out the lights because the SNL Hall of Fame 
is now closed. Thanks for listening to the SNL Hall of Fame podcast. You can find everything you need to know about the show at snlhof.com. Don't forget to subscribe, share, rate, and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. This is Doug Denant saying, this is Doug Denant saying, see you next month in the hall. such.